Today on Laura Lynn and Friends. Obama, um, when, he, when he was president, how he made us the most vulnerable to terrorists than any other president at before or after. And of course we know that he is the puppeteer um, pulling the strings of Biden. Hello everyone and welcome to the beginning of the last days. My name is Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson and you know that every single day I like to start the show by honoring my dad, his love of the Bible which he marked from stem to stern. And I opened it up today to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes uh, 3, verse 17, and it says, and he's underlined this, I said in mine heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. And um, I really believe that, and I honor that. I think that uh, the God who was the creator who founded this earth that we are on, the God whom we worship, um, he is a righteous God, and he judges the just and the unjust, and he is watching everything that is being done. And I think every single one of us has sin in our heart, and every leader on the planet would make a mistake. And I've been in some dialogues this morning talking about, you know, the things that we're all watching happen in Israel, uh, in uh, Gaza, and uh, there is just a lot of trauma that is happening in our world. And we have definitely got the perfect person that we're going to speak to about this. So I'd like to welcome to the show Dr. Carol Lieberman. Um, she is known worldwide as America's psychiatrist. She's the host of Dr. Carol's Couch on voiceamerica.com. And she's also known as the terrorist therapist. She does a podcast regarding that. And uh, she is a forensic psychiatrist, expert witness, best-selling award-winning author of four books, two on terrorism and two on relationships. And sometimes you can't tell the difference between all of that. <laughs> We've all lived a few years, right? Uh, okay, so since 9-11, Dr. Lieberman has devoted herself to helping people cope with the impact of 9-11, keeping us aware of the ongoing threat of terrorism. Uh, she's also written two award-winning books on terrorism, including Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh my, and how to protect your child in a time of terror. Um, and she hosts the Terrorist Therapist Show. So Dr. Carol Lieberman, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for being here with us today on a, a very serious time and a very important time to understand what's happening. And I appreciate um, that that what you deal with is exactly what we, we, we kind of all feel like we need a therapy uh, session on terrorism after what we've witnessed. We've all seen videos. I don't know if everyone has. I, I hope not, quite frankly, but I've had to watch some terrible things happen on video, people being killed, and it, it hasn't been great. Yes, it's a lot different than uh, video games, right? <laughs> yes. Although I think, I think that actually violent video games is really at the root of some of this, but certainly not as important as the radical Islamist uh, beliefs, you know, that this is what they have to do, first Israel, then the world. So we've watched, um, we've watched what just happened. So could I just lay out some facts that don't seem to be disputed by anyone? Um, Hamas admits to having come into uh, Israel and there's a full admittance. I think there's now 1,100 JT or 1,200 de dead people there um and hamas has taken has taken hostages uh children 
moms, dads, uh, kids are being held hostage in Gaza, they believe, at this hour. And now Israel is responding and has definitely lobbed a whole bunch of bombs in there. And they've asked the Gazan people to leave. And then I hear them saying that, uh, well, we can't leave. And then I see that Hamas has actually blockaded them from leaving um, in certain pictures and, and intel that we have. Can you give me uh, any more details on what you have seen is, is the actual literal reality of what we're dealing with right now in this Israel-Gaza war? Well, you know, um, I mean, we all know that um, we've heard reports and so on and spoken to people. Um, certainly it is true that babies have been beheaded, that other adults have been beheaded, girls have been raped. Um, and they're and denying that, right, Dr. Carroll? Like, this is the problem is that everyone's, oh, it's not true, it's not real, you know? Well, but there is video, certainly, of it. Yes, there was a question of whether... Biden got to see that or not. And in fact, you know, um, Netanyahu did show at, at some of these pictures. Um, so, I mean, I don't think there's a question really, even just the people in Israel have been posting these pictures. So, I mean, yes, okay, so Hamas could say, well, look, that's not, but where do you get a picture of a beheaded baby? Um, no, I, I think, I don't think there's a question that they've been doing all of these things. We've seen grandmas. I don't know, for some reason that really bothers me because I imagine my own grandma sitting at the back of the the trucks that they brought, you know, um, women who have been in the Holocaust. Uh, there was a question about one at least with dementia. I mean, these horrible, these inhumane things. It's, it's, it's hard to find words to describe them. Um, and of course, yes, Israel has been, you know, dropping leaflets and um, telling every which way that they can, telling the people in Gaza to leave, to go down to the people in the north of Gaza, to go to the south of Gaza so that they won't get um, attacked or bombed. Or And, and yes, and the um, Hamas has been trying to get them to stay because they want to use them as human shields. They want to use it as PR, you know, as, as to try to say, look, look what Israel is doing. But we all know, well, I shouldn't say we all know, it is true that, um, that um, terrorists hide bombs and hide uh, the leaders of the terrorist movement, you know, so the leaders of Hamas and so on, are underneath these buildings, underneath hospitals, uh, in tunnels. And so, you know, that's, they do that to, and then they can say that Israel is bombing hospitals and schools and things like that. But of course Israel has to do that because that's where the, the uh, Hamas bombs are and so on, the ammunition and the leaders. And so, I mean, it's all sort of a um, a, a media, you know, play that Hamas wants to do to get sympathy from other terrorists and from the rest of the world. Yes, and and I think that you know something that I'm hearing now, and as a uh, psychiatrist, um, what's happening in our world now is that AI can make everything look so real that people are. I'm hearing this more and more. Well, I don't know who to believe. I don't believe any of them. I'm not listening to any of it. I think they're all terrible. I, I, you know, I'm not going to believe. And we're having a crisis of knowing what's true and what's not. Ben Shapiro put that uh, picture up of a burned baby. Then some idiot said that that's an AI-generated 
um, you know, thing. And then they had to go through all of this stuff to prove that it was a real baby. And uh, Megan Kelly has has covered this extensively. And because we just don't know what's real anymore, we're actually really in a in a bad way to understand all of it. And people are fighting because they just don't believe each other. And it's causing a a, a, a fractioning. Yes, you know, <laughs> the world has been... Uh... It's been crazy enough with terrorists, um, but now with AI coming in, you know, that's a good point that especially if you don't want to believe that something is real, you right. know, you can try to say that it's AI. Um, but so, you know, psychologically, what that means for, for the future, I mean, it's bad enough that what this means as it is, um, you know, this is not people who think this is just about Israel and Hamas just wants to wipe off Israel and terrorists just want to, you know, Iran says um, death to America, death to, death to Israel. It's not just Israel and it's not even just America. It's the world that terrorists are trying to take over, make us go uh, under Sharia law, make us anybody who is an unbeliever. Um, so, so that's a lot of people and that's a lot of confusion if people are going to try to say, oh, well, this is just AI. I mean, it's, in other words, it's crazy enough, the world that we're living in that we know is true or that, you know, we're fairly certain is true. Now add AI to it. And that is just going to be the final, the final nail in the coffin of psychosis, of, of international psychosis. You know, we're not really going to, we're not going to know who to believe, what to believe, what pictures to believe. Um, I mean, it, just America in the past, you know, year or two, uh, I mean, increasingly in the past years uh, has gotten, has been going crazy with, with wokeness and, um, and gender trans, you know, ch changing boys can be girls and girls can be boys and all of that. There's been a craziness going on even without adding AI. So now with AI, it, it's just going to be too much. It, it really, it's, uh, it's, a new, it's a new developing problem for us to understand the truth. And I think what you said was very important, um, especially if you don't want to believe that it's true, you'll just throw out, well, it's, it's, you know, there's nothing real, it's AI, it's all propaganda. If you don't want, and if you want to believe certain things on either side. And uh, Dr. Carroll, what do you think about these universities and these marches that are happening across America and Canada of pro-Palestinian um, messaging that is uh, clearly from the woke left and it, it has been propagandized through our educational establishments? Yes. Um, you know... It, it's, it, it is shocking. It, ha, it was shocking when Hamas invaded Israel in the way that they did it, land and sea and air and all that. I mean, not that Israel doesn't have enemies all around it and hasn't been attacked before, but the way that Hamas did it was definitely shocking. But what was equally shocking was all these people, especially from Ivy League universities, um, coming out and protesting and being for Palestine, you know, not even knowing what they're talking about, free Palestine. You know, Israel did not um, enslave Palestine. So what are they talking? They don't even know what they're talking about. I mean, this is what they've been taught, presumably, um, in college and, and through, you know, up through college and so on. But they don't they don't really know what they're talking about. It seems like there's just this hatred of Israel uh, and hatred of Jews 
and anti-Semitism that all of a sudden people are coming out of the closet and showing their anti-Semitism, it's just shocking. I mean, that is equally shocking to what Hamas did in, in terms of its invasion of Israel. Like, who knew that there were this many people who hated Jews? It, it, it's just... It's an uh, unveiling. It, yes, it's... it's uh, you know, it's that's also um, for people to sort of get their head around. You know, like like imagine. I mean, I've been reading about some of the um, the kids in school. You know, some. It's not just the protests; they've been attacking some um, some Jews or some people who holding an Israeli flag and so on. Um, and imagine what it, what it must be like for a college kid, a Jew who has been going to whatever college, it's not just the Ivy League colleges that are doing this, um, but they're going to their college and all of a sudden they see their friend, someone who they thought was their friend, you know, their BFF, carrying this um, pro-Hamas uh, sign and, and, you know, down with Israel. And, I mean, it's just, um, it's just destabilizing. It's, it's like, how do you continue to go to that school? I think, I think especially the, um, the president of Harvard, you know, the Harvard had those 35 groups that wrote this obnoxious letter and so on, um, you know, siding with Hamas. And, and the, the president of, um, of Harvard has just, has really not said anything, not enough. You know, she said, oh yes, it's sad if people die in Israel or sad on both sides or something like that. Just, you know, nothing that, uh, that really put down, you know, it's free, should have free speech is what she was saying. Um, really, lady, <laughs> you want your students to be um, to be promoting or siding with uh, the, the Hamas, who are killing babies, killing people of all ages, and I, I mean, free speech. Um, why aren't you teaching them real history? Why aren't you teaching them um, to care about other people, whatever religion they are? Right. And, um, you know, uh, my producer here was just saying to me that with this jihad that was called, you know, if you're, you're the terrorist uh, therapist, um, a lot of people were in terror that some, some radical Islamist yeah. is calling for a jihad and then people are killed. Uh, I believe in Paris and another place, there have been killings in the name of this jihad. So they have had yeah. to put police protection on these Jewish uh, places of worship while there's no protection put on a mosque because no one's calling for them to be wounded and right. hurt. Right, right. Um, yes, you know, I became the terrorist therapist after 9-11 because I was born and bred in New York City. And um, I decided at that time, you know, as a psychiatrist, as, a, as an author, uh, as someone who's a media consultant, um, contributor, uh, that I could do a lot to help people cope with the memories of 9-11, the impact of 9-11, and to prepare people for future terrorist attacks. However, um, and I've been doing that, and you know, as you said, I've written two books, and I, I talk about it, and I give talks, and I do media, and I, you know, I, the book, uh, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror, has won, won all kinds of awards. And so like I went to London to pick up that award in Paris and so on. Um, and, and so I'm helping people all over, all over the world. But what I find, and particularly in America, is that people are in denial. 
You know, they didn't want to believe that there were going to be more terror attacks. And for a while, we haven't had, or at least the mainstream media hasn't been talking about, the, test, the terror attacks that were planned but were uh, foiled. But we haven't had in America, you know, it's happening all around the world. Every day there are terror attacks, but you don't hear that in the mainstream media, you know, but really it is still going on. But during the, the COVID lockdowns, there, when people weren't in the streets or people weren't at concerts and so on, there were fewer attacks because there were fewer places where terrorists could attack a large group of people. So I think that added to Americans feeling complacent. This isn't going to happen again. And, um, and of course, now we see that, yes, it's not, it's not over. Um, and yes, you know, these terrorists have been taught um, from the time they were four years old. You know, there are pictures of, of four-year-old kids with guns. They teach them. They teach them to hate Israel. They teach them to destroy Israel, to hate Jews. All of this from the time that they are barely a toddler and can carry a rifle and they do um, exercises, you know, to act out what it would be like to to go into Israel and, and and not just Israel, but to go into to wage jihad all over the world, and um, and so they grow up with this. And you know the, the main thing that is really um, I have been talking forever about how Obama, um, when he, when he was president, how he made us the most vulnerable to terrorists than any other president at, before or after. And of course we know that he is the puppeteer um, pulling the strings of Biden. And so all of them, um, all of them, all, all two of them, and the, the people that stayed that, um, that Biden kept in the White House from Obama in Intel and all of that, um, there is a real, you know, there's, there, are, there, are fox, there are foxes in the hen house. And uh, that is what Americans have to really pay attention to. You know, when, when uh, after the Saturday when Hamas attacked Israel, well, that Sunday, Biden had a party at the White House with a barbecue, with a band and all that. What does that remind you of? It's like what the terrorists did after 9-11. They were celebrating. I mean, we need to wake up and realize that, um, that it's in our own hen house that there are people helping the terrorists. People, you know, the Bi Obama Biden White House gave Iran uh, billions of dollars, gave the, the Taliban billions of dollars, other terrorist groups billions of dollars. They are, they are supporting terrorists just like Iran is supporting terrorists. Absolutely, let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, uh, you know, we were just saying, is Obama still running this White House? Because surely, uh, Biden does not seem capable with his dementia and all of the different things that he's been going through. But, you know, there was thoughts about uh, not forwarding this $6 billion that's in some account somewhere. And, uh, oh, that seems to be just completely off the table. But they have funded Iran for the last two years with billions of dollars. And it now looks like Iran has literally been funding these Hamas terrorists. Right, right. Um Yes, you know, it really, um, it really is very worrisome. I mean, the, first of all, the, the, um, the, the surrender in Afghanistan, that is, uh, that shook the world. That is, all of the things that are happening now, even with Hamas going into Israel, you know, that is part of the after effects of Biden uh, surrendering in, in, um, 
in Afghanistan. And, you know, I, I, I t I've talked a lot about Biden having dementia. I actually was talking about that when Biden was running for president from his basement. I talked about how he had encroaching dementia. So when he surrendered in Afghanistan, I was talking about his, how his dementia, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't, uh, he had a plan A. And then when that wasn't working because the Taliban was, you know, uh, invading the rest of Afghanistan, um, then he couldn't go to a plan B because, you know, his mind didn't have that capacity. I mean, that's all true, but I, thinking about it, you know, as time has gone by, I'm also thinking that it was Obama who didn't want him to do a plan B, who, who wanted to surrender. This is all part of the plan. And, and remember, Obama when he was a little boy, he studied for some years. I mean, you never get the right exact story on this, but we know for some number of years, he studied in madrasas. And what do they teach in madrasas? The things that I was just talking about a little while ago, you know, to hate Jews, to, to uh, uh, destroy Israel, to, to, run, to overrun the world uh, with, to bring terrorism, to bring Sharia law into the whole world. And that I think, is what Obama is also believing in. I mean, that in, in madrasas, they teach you that that is the holiest thing. That is the best thing you could do with your life. If you dedicate your life to jihad, you know, to for Allah. And, um, and, and this is, you know, this is, this would just be the best thing you could do. This is the kind of thing that, that Obama was learning as well. I know he tries to say, I mean, he, I know he's supposedly um, converted to Christianity and he tries to say that he didn't learn any of this stuff. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's very hard to believe. So it's, it's a natural thing in him, just like it's natural for Hamas. Right. Well, the, the, the shocking things that have happened. The other thing that's been, you know, hotly debated on what's going on is trying to get the innocent people out of Gaza. You have to think at this point that if you have not left, uh, they've been, I've got um, a share here, JT, and uh, so Amir Safadi is, uh, Safadi, uh, is uh, uh, reporting on the IDF is increasing the pressure, calling on the residents of the Zayton neighborhood, the center of the Gaza Strip, to evacuate to the south. In a map published by the IDF today, it seems that for now there is no intention to go underground, but to bomb there with fewer Arab deaths. And what I see constantly, um, I remember um, hearing an Israeli general talking about how before they bomb an area they actually cover it with tracks letting people know we're going to be back back to bomb here we want you to live we're not trying to get innocent people and we want you to clear out of here and that is not the terrorist hamas way of doing it in fact uh they're just preventing their own people from leaving is what we're understanding uh, from the pictures that we can see and also, you know, this is what they're doing and they're not concerned about their own citizens. From what I understand, there's been no, um, there hasn't been a vote on a new party to lead, uh, you know, the Palestinians for seven years. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, you know, it would be much more to, in, in Hamas's favor if they could show um, all of the people being killed by Israel. But, you know, and of course, you know, that there's this movement now amongst the pro-Palestinians. Um, I'm sure the squad may be leading it uh, in Congress to take in 
uh, Gaza refugees. Well, now, aside from the fact that we are already overflowing from all the people, not Gaza refugees necessarily, who crossed from into the into America from the south, um, besides the fact that we don't have enough food, we don't have enough shelter, we don't have enough money to take care of everybody, the main thing for for the people in Gaza is that the vetting. It would have to be a very detailed process to make sure that we weren't bringing in Hamas or other kinds of terrorists. And there, that, that couldn't be done in this kind of an emergency situation. So, I mean, the idea, I mean, that would just be, um, and, and I don't think we can say that that would never happen because, you know, because it's the, it's the Obama-Biden White House and, and that could be part of their efforts to destroy America. Well, and, and it does seem to be, you know. Now, when you wrote this book, um, Lions, Tigers, and Terrorists, Oh My, and, and also um, how to, well, it's the same book, right? How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. Um, yes. Do you think, were you writing that specifically for children of war-torn areas where terrorism's in their face or for the world that is also watching all of this? Well, at the time, um, I, I think I was, I don't know that I was, well, yes, I mean, I guess I was that too, but um, I was thinking primarily, you know, it had been, it, it wasn't that, I was thinking about um, ISIS and 9-11. I mean, I wrote it way after that, but, um, but I, I think that was, you know, that was the main kind of terrorism that we knew here. Um, but then, of course, it has become much more widely applicable, uh, you know, not only to other places where there have been terror attacks, you know, London and, and, and France and so on. Um, but even this idea now, and Israel, of course, I was thinking of Israel too. But, um, I mean, now it's this, it's, it really is, the, the jihad that is supposed to take over the whole world wasn't as close to happening at the time, I wrote it in 2017, wasn't as close to happening at the time as it is now. You know, I don't think I was conceptualizing um, just how many people would, this would be applicable for. Um, if this book, it's um, the first half of the book is for grown-ups, uh, parents and teachers and anyone who has anything to do with children. The second half of the book is a picture book for children. And so it talks about um, you know, what is a terrorist? Why do terrorists want to kill us? Uh, you know, gives, well, in the first half, actually, it gives answers, things that parents can tell their kids, answers for these um, typical kinds of questions. But then in the second half, the picture book for the kids, like, what is a terrorist? I show um, a bully on the playground. A terrorist is like the bully on the playground, and so on and so forth. And, and I talk about how terrorists, you know, want you to believe um, in the religion that they believe in, and if you don't, then, you know, they, they don't want you, um, they don't want anyone to, to have a different religion or different beliefs and so on. And I mean, I, I, it's terrorism light. I mean, I try, I don't scare the kids, but I do, I do tell it like it is. I have a picture of Osama bin Laden uh, in there, you know, and, and of course, 9-11. And, um, you know, at the same time, I say that uh, not to be frightened, um, you know, that frightened, well, at, at the time, the risk of being killed by a terrorist, uh, you have more of a risk of falling off your bicycle than being killed by a terrorist. Of course, that may be changing now. But, um, but so it's really for kids to understand what terrorism is all about. And also I give, you know, things that kids, 10 things that kids can do, can do 
to make themselves more resilient from terrorism and of course lots of things that grown-ups can do to help kids understand this whole phenomenon which is difficult for adults yeah isn't that the truth uh dr carol that it's difficult for us adults to understand all of this let alone some of the kids or or even young people i'm thinking of teenagers and those that um you know have grown up in maybe peaceful times and have not seen this kind of war you know that is going on and um and and it is very traumatizing some people worried about people are talking about this potentially bringing in a third world war you know and uh that certainly is um that certainly is concerning that this is not the end of this this is just the beginning because we're seeing we're seeing this leak out into all parts of you know the US and Iran and and uh China and everybody weighing yeah. in on some of the things now going on this could get much worse yes now China and Russia are friends you know uh they became friendly because of the Ukraine war um you know they were each each had something to give the other so they now they're telling Israel you know not to kill uh, Hamas i mean everybody has an opinion um it it's it it could well it could well uh, blow up because especially you know if more countries get involved and so on um especially like Iran who has said that they wanted to uh, death to America death to Israel and death to America so you know of course they're taking our money even though they're telling us saying that they want to kill us um yes this could be could could end uh, in world war 3 finally um you know the end times it could well be happening sooner than we than any of us imagined now when after 911 you know the, the thing was to tell people yes to to protect yourself in certain ways but but don't stop what you're doing because that means the terrorists would win well with what's happening now it's also don't stop what you're doing I mean obviously if there are protests right near you and all that you need to take precautions but um but you really have to live life if anything you have to live life more uh live each day do more each day to appreciate life and to enjoy life um than you were doing before because because it could really end life as you know it right what what do you feel as uh somebody who's watched the Israel Middle East conflict for you know definitely you know your life span and seeing some of the things that have happened over the years um people on the other side are saying they want Israel wiped out um Israel wants peace but you know they're saying well Israel's gone in and they've you know taken hostages and they have people in prison this is what i hear from from people that are telling me that there's in support of palestine that israel has been the you know invader has taken and you know colonized areas what what do you say from your understanding of israel what do you say about them and their perspective israel has never been the aggressor to take over anything they have been merely trying to protect israel israel like is this tiny little country our people have to look on a map 
you know, to see um, what this is really all about. Israel is this tiny little country surrounded by enemies all around. And, um, and it's just been, it's just been trying to survive basically. Um, and, but you know, Hamas has underestimated Israel because first of all, there is a lot of strength in the way Israelis feel about each other. That's number one. And, um, and number two, you know, they've, they've underestimated the courage and the strength of Israel. And yes, of course, that's been the thing down through the years. Oh, it's Israel who's trying to, you know, take over our land or whatever. That is not how it is or how it was uh, and still is not what Israel is trying to do. They're not, they're not invading Gaza to take over Gaza, although, you know, who knows if, I mean, they're not, they don't want to leave Gaza either while there are still Hamas there. They have to get rid of Hamas. And if Hamas isn't going to let the people in, in Gaza go to someplace safe, you know, go south uh, or to other countries, if the other countries will let them in, um, then that is on Gaza. I mean, that is on Hamas. But um, Israel doesn't want to take in, you know, the, the people of Gaza to, I mean, they don't need, they're not trying to, to win more land. They're trying to preserve Israel. And, you know, there, there are some beautiful videos online on social media about um, Israelis singing the national anthem, Hatikva, which means the hope uh, from their balconies and so on. And that really, you know, says a lot. They're not, they're not trying to kill anybody. Do you hear Israelis saying, you know, um, uh, death to, to, to any of the countries that are surrounding it, any of the enemies, death to Iran, for example? No. I've just found this video um, now uh, I want to show everybody, but I, I apparently Hamas is releasing the first pictures of one of the hostages uh, that they have in, uh, in Gaza. Um, I believe this is saying, uh, you know, held in very difficult circumstances. Oh dear, where did that go? Was it, sorry. You know, you click something and then all of a sudden your yes. thing's gone. Uh, but um, Hamas is definitely holding hostages. And and some people literally, you know, denying some of these things. And that is just the, the hardest part for me is that the truth really needs to get out. Um, but I guess um, some Israeli parents stating that with missing children, they're not sure what to think because they almost feel that death is a better outcome than to be in the hands of terrorists in Gaza. Yes, yes, I have heard that. Um, they don't want to think about their child being tortured, of course. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and Hamas is saying or did say um, that they are willing to give back some of the hostages, the Israeli hostages, if Israel doesn't come into uh, Gaza. But, you know, um, that is really mainly, that's just PR, you know, that's, and, and what, to give back one hostage? And I mean, you know, it, it wouldn't make sense. I mean, of course, if I had, if my daughter was um, kidnapped by Hamas and I thought that she was in Gaza, um, even though, of, of course, I wouldn't want her tortured, but, but, um, but I think that I would, understand that the more important thing for Israel as a whole, as a country, the security of it, is, is not to not go in and kill, um, kill Hamas, 
you know, I think I would be willing to sacrifice for that. Um, I mean, you know, I, who knows if it was really happening, whether I would still be saying this. But, um, but I mean, it is really more, it's painful. These are all painful decisions. But, um, but really, the future of Israel is at stake. So, uh, so if it does, if there does need to be some, um, you know, some uh, sacrifice, um, that might need to be done. Yes. Um, you were saying about how tiny Israel is, and I wanted to show everyone, uh, for anyone, you know, who kind of doesn't understand uh, the scope of the, of the Middle East. But here is a map of Arab countries in green, and Israel is in red. Um, note that Israel is like a tiny island in a sea of Arab countries. The Arab world counts 300 million citizens versus Israel's 6 million. So, you know, just to show everyone, this little tiny red, you know, sliver here, that's Israel. And, um, you know, they, they have wanted and deserve and have a right to be a nation. And, yeah. and I guess this is the whole problem is some people simply because of the Jewish DNA, the, Jew, the Jewish claim uh, to have a right to be a nation, which is, is shocking because they're one of the oldest uh, known people groups. If you go back to, you know, the Pentateuch, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, it's all about the Jews, the, the land, yeah. the promised land, taking the land. And yet they, they want this tiny little area that has been in 1948 proclaimed to be you know, their, their land and right. all of this problem has just, you know, it's never been okay to just leave them in peace. Right. Right. Yes. Um, and you know, after nine 11, one of the things that really helped people to sort of recover was, um, was going to uh, church and synagogue and whatever religion, you know, that you believe in, um, going to pray. And not that you have to go to a church or a synagogue to pray, you know, God is all around. Um, he can hear you in your bedroom, in the bathroom, wherever you are. But, um, but you know, certainly there is a difference in being with a group of people of your own religion, all praying all together. And, um, and um, that, and w when we had COVID, when we had the lockdowns, you know, for a lot of churches and synagogues, people, it was just by Zoom, which is not quite the same thing. So, um, so now though, if um, Jews go to synagogue uh, as, you know, of course, uh, of course it would be good if they did, just like for anybody else going to their religion, but you know, there's now the danger. I mean, for example, we recently had the High Holy Days in the Jewish religion, um, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and um, I'm in the choir of my temple, and um, and there's always every year. This year there were a little more actually, um, uh, police and security guards and so on. So you have the feeling all the time, you know that uh, that this is precious because what we were able to do here is precious because look there there is a threat from the outside. Um, so some people might you know might let that scare them. Uh, from going to to temple in any case certainly it's 
the security is more needed around um, around temples. Although, although uh, actually Christians also, because really the um, terrorists are are against anybody who is an unbeliever who doesn't believe in radical Islam. So even Christians are at risk. Hundred um, percent. I have a share here. Uh, an interesting thing that's happening with all of the propaganda is that the uh, here's a fellow Andy. Uh, LGBT stands with Palestine, sign at the London-Palestine rally a week after the Hamas terror attacks on civilians in southern Israel. Hamas-governed Gaza is run under Sharia law, which criminalizes male same-sex activity. What do you think is going on in the world where uh, the very people that Hamas would kill instantaneously are standing with them? Yes, that makes no sense. Again, it's ignorance. They don't understand. Um, you know, if they went to a, um, a an Islamic uh, a country, you know, they would be killed or, you know, it's, it's, it's so much ignorance, so much ignorance and not just ignorance, but so much um, propaganda in these schools. This is, we're at a, at a tipping point, you know, we actually were at a tipping point years back um, and we didn't realize it until now. Um, you know, it's the same. I mean, it was during, again, during lockdowns when parents got to see some of the kid, the things that their kids were being taught and so on. That was the one uh, good thing about the lockdowns. Um, but, you know, this has really been infesting the schools for, for years before we kind of realized the extent of it. And so, um, it, I mean, of course it doesn't make sense. The same people who would kill you, you know, for being gay or trans or whatever, you're standing up for it. <sighs> It's, uh, it's a lot it's of It's really something. Now, do you see also, uh, and is the concern for Israel and the Jewish people, so we're seeing, we've talked a little bit about it, but in reality, uh, this writer is basically saying it's not Israel Hamas, it's Hezbollah from Lebanon is attacking, Hamas from Gaza is attacking, Iran is using Seas of Syria to attack, I'm not certain if I'm saying that right, um, it's not Hamas fighting alone. It's a well-planned attack on Israel, and Israel has the, a right to clean state enemy. And so we're, you know, the, you know, what we started just 12 days ago or whenever this was, 10, 11 days ago, um, we are seeing that you know, they're coming in from all sides. And that definitely probably is in need of a lot of counseling. Uh, I feel very terrible for people in um, in Israel because I've seen some of the videos where they're talking and then the sirens go off and bombs begin falling and you all have to run to your bunker. Yes, yes. Um, I, this is this is nine eleven and the Holocaust all wrapped into one. It is it is it is beyond words. And and then we have so we have all those you know. Um, not surprisingly, although it seems to be happening maybe sooner than one might have expected, but all these enemies uh, joining together against Israel. And what do we have in America? We have Obama and Biden who are, who are foxes in the hen house, who are, are helping um, uh, these other countries and terrorists and so on. And, you know, with, um, with Afghanistan, it was... Um, Besides it being such a world-changing, history-changing event, 
um, you know, there were they left part of it was where they left weapons. And um, somehow, you know, it's been said that some of these weapons from Afghanistan have made their way into Hamas or in, certainly into the Middle East and now will be made good use of uh, potentially. So, um, you know, it, 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 so that's the thing. Hamas isn't smart enough to have figured this all out on their own. That's the scary part. There were, uh, there had to have been help from uh, Iran and some of these other countries and who have smarter scientists or smarter st st strategic people. Um, and, and also, you know, the intel that they got from the people who were in the White House. And, and let's not forget, um, this is coming, the timing of this, um, of course, it came on, you know, uh, the Jewish Sabbath, Shabbat, and, um, and Jewish holidays and so on, you know, that's part of it. Uh, the terrorists love to do that, to pick a certain specific day uh, of significance, you know, to make an attack. But, um, uh, but besides that, what this is doing is distracting us all from the investigation into the Biden crime family. What a coincidence, you know, the timing of it, right when, right when the uh, congressional investigation was getting, going ahead full steam, getting into this, then we have, now we have a war to look into, to distract ourselves with. Not hearing you. I'm having. I'm not hearing you. Um, I'm so sorry about uh, that. There um, we go. Yes, uh, we are also seeing that. You know, clearly we're seized. I believe we're seized because Biden gets away with everything. Justin Trudeau gets away with everything, and no consequence comes to their. You know, terrible things that are happening. Um, I we have an. This is Instagram, and I want to play for you a Palestinian gentleman saying things that I believe need to be heard because he's telling a truth that he says a lot of Palestinians would not be able to say. So hopefully we've got the sound up on this, JT, and we will, uh, we will run it. Here we go. In the European Parliament, love the Palestinians. They care for them. They dream about us this in their sleep. This is what they say. How beautiful. They care about how we are oppressed by the evil Zionist Israelis, while, in fact, those evil Zionist Israelis are the ones giving us jobs. They are the ones giving us jobs when Lebanon bans us from all forms of jobs. When the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan, which occupied 78% of our homeland, prevents us from all kinds of jobs, the King of Jordan could come and present here and talk about peace and human rights while Israeli politicians could get arrested for arriving at your airports. At the same time, we see not a single European member of parliament, not a single European politician speaking about the oppression of the Palestinians at the hands of the Hashemite Kingdom or the Palestinian authorities. On the other hand, your money, your tax, euros are financing the Palestinian police force, which oppresses us, tortures us, and puts us in disappearance. This happens while you guys are obviously caring for us in good intentions, 
but your judgment is very cloudy. Unfortunately, most of you are seeking to destroy the very and only source of income and stability that we have, which is the Israel, Israeli Jewish state. That state offers, has offered us every hope there is in the last 70 years. We disagree with Israel on different issues. We have several issues with Israel. Israel is not an angel, nor was Belgium an angel in Africa, nor was the United States an angel in Vietnam, nor was Jordan an angel as of today. You have to be fair and square to achieve justice. Justice is collective. You can't grant us justice by denying justice to our Jewish neighbors. They are our neighbors. Half a million Palestinians every single day cross the borders to work in Israeli settlements, in Israeli homes, in Israeli hospitals. They work there, achieving European standard payments versus the non-payments of the Palestinian Authority. Oslo has brought us all, everything that's evil, everything but happiness, and nothing but despair and disasters. At the same time, I can't see that the European Parliament, nor the European governments, understand that they are an accomplice, knowingly or unknowingly, to our disastrous situation by being against the only source of hope that we have. Why are you denying me and my people the right to live normally, the right to find jobs by supporting BDS? BDS means no jobs for us, no jobs for Israelis. And when the Israelis move out and the companies move out, do you sign our paychecks when we run out of jobs? No, you don't. And let me tell you something. The only people you sign paychecks to are the Palestinian Authority corrupts and criminals. Abbas and others, you need to know, you are singing a very old tune. Most of you, I understand most of you are good people, but you are playing an old video. This game is over. Oslo is dead. We are telling you it's time to accept change, and it's time to embrace our Jewish friends, neighbors, brothers, and sisters. We are going that way. Most Palestinians cannot say publicly what I'm saying here. We want peace with Israel. We have had enough of this mythical lie of the conflict. There. So that's a bit of truth that I hope we can find a way to get more on the same page in Canada and the United States about the realities of each side. Because there seems to be so much misinformation that they're erupting in fights at these, you know, institutions of education across North America, because they're not really hearing a fellow like this, are they? Yes, boy, he, he made great points and, and uh, he was really, um, it was very brave of him, very much of a risk. Uh, to be saying these kinds of things, but it, you know, it was uh, it was true. I mean, that that is true. That, uh, but the people who are in power don't care about those things. Don't care if the Palestinians don't have jobs or go hungry or whatever. Um, they, you know, they they just have their own goals. Yes, and you know, I was listening to. Um... I was listening to Megan Kelly, and she had another former um, woman on, hey everyone, and I'm, I'm not Kelly. sure Welcome if we can uh, pull it up. 
um, JT, but um, this was a former Palestinian woman who began to just get out of the, the bubble of propaganda and has come full circle and is now speaking out. And of course, at great peril, you know, to because these people will kill you for speaking uh, the truth about these things, right? Right, absolutely. Um, you know, especially if they're, if they're still able to be found, you know, to, it, yes, it is, uh, it is at great risk. They're risking their life. Right. And for you yourself, um, then I'll, um, I'll just ask you to give us any information perhaps that we haven't yeah. covered. The one thing I'm wondering is if your services are not more needed than ever, and if you would be able to speak into some of these universities, are you able to do that to bring a piece? Because people, young people are terrified of the propaganda they feel they don't know what to believe. And then some of them have been taught falsely not to stand with uh, the peace of Israel. And, you know, when you show that map of that tiny little sliver, you can see they're completely surrounded and by themselves an awful lot. And, um, that, you know, these guys are being told that Israel is trying to go in and occupy all kinds of places. I know with Gaza, I'm not sure if you have understanding, but... It, I remember in 2005 when Gaza was turned over and Israeli soldiers literally removed Jews yeah. crying and weeping as, as a, you know, an accommodation for peace. But uh -huh. since then, all they've used Gaza for is to continue to bomb and shell Israel nonstop. Right, yes. Israel gave them the benefit of the doubt and this is how they're rewarded. Well, um, yes, that would be a good idea. I, uh, you know, the problem is um, actually getting a platform in these universities that are all leftist and don't want to you know, hear these things. But um, that's where my book comes in, uh, which I do want to say that anybody who uh, gets the book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror, and it's really for kids in... Um, elementary, junior high, and even high school, um, then anyway, if you get it through my website, terroristtherapist.com, the profits go to Israel. Absolutely. And uh, thank you very much for doing that. We've got a little picture of it here, if you can get that back up. And that is terroristtherapist.com. What an interesting... Uh, journey you've had in taking your specialty in psychiatry and applying it to a real world problem that uh, not many people would call themselves the terrorist therapist, but because of your background, because of your knowledge, your expertise, you are equipped actually to help people to deal with all of this. We sure do appreciate you, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We hope that people will go and check out your website and uh, definitely uh, in order to help children to understand what's going on, this would be a valuable tool. Thank you very much for your time today. We sure appreciate you being here very much. It's my pleasure. I enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Take care. Absolutely fascinating. It's interesting how God leads us into our destiny that is sometimes world-changing, you know, um, 
world shaping when you get to speak into issues like this. So I just love her very much. I appreciate that she's so willing to be open and honest. I'd like to play for you. JT says that he has ready Megan Kelly's. Um, it was a, an episode. It was so good that if you've got some time, let's watch it together. Um, it's so good. I'll definitely watch it for the probably third time now. And uh, it's got fascinating information. She will introduce a young woman who was, uh, you know, favorable to Palestine and who has come through all of it. All right, take a listen. Going on, Megan Kelly. Welcome to the Megan Kelly Show. A world on edge and America on alert as Hamas's call for a day of rage appears to be living up to its name. Here at home, authorities have increased police presence around Jewish schools and synagogues. The NYPD has ordered all officers to report to work today. In northern France, a suspected terror attack at a school has already left one teacher dead, several others critically wounded, stabbed, uh, we are told. The suspect, a man in his early 20s and of Chechen origin, reportedly shouted, Allahu Akbar. I don't even like to say those words. Those words to me are just associated with this kind of death and destruction. As he unleashed his deadly knife attack, we're seeing reports that he is a former student at that school and years ago, staffers voiced concerned, concerns that he had been radicalized. His younger brother, coincidentally, has also been detained. 5,000 miles away in Beijing, another attack caught on video. In it, you will see a man who works at the Israeli embassy being stabbed. Blood was visible all over the sidewalk. Just take a look at this, a hate-filled man ready to plunge the knife in. It is unclear what transpired before this attack. The victim, amazingly, is in stable condition. The suspect has been arrested. We don't know much about the suspect, but reports suggest he was not Chinese. Elsewhere, we're seeing an absolute lack of regard for the innocent lives that have been destroyed. In London yesterday, women were caught on video. This is disgusting tearing down posters of Israeli victims, furious that anyone would dare to call attention to those who have been kidnapped by terrorists. And we know those who have been kidnapped include women and young children. Watch this. It's outrageous. This is fucking outrageous. What's outrageous? You. Why don't you do something for Palestine? Why don't you do anything? This is for Palestine. Back here in the US on campus after campus, many young people are showing where their allegiance lies and it's not with the Israelis. The one chant hard to hear, but it's important to know what they said. It happened at George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia. They were saying they've got tanks. We've, we've 
got hand gliders, glory to the resistance fighters. So it's a we now. You want to be a we with the ones who are murdering babies. Okay, got it. Noted. Can't wait until you submit your resume to my company or the company of any self-respecting lover of humanity. Hand gliders, of course, used by Hamas, not fighters, but terrorists, to carry out this past Saturday's deadly attack. The hate being spewed on our college campuses proving too much to bear. And who could blame her for a Jewish girl at the University of Washington? Can I just, before we air this, just think about what's been happening on the college campuses where, I mean, for anything and everything, you have these people saying, I feel dehumanized. I'm dehumanized by your Halloween costume. This is what we hear. People get fired, the over-the-top reaction. This woman just had her people attacked in a massive terror attack in Israel where people who look like her, who share her faith, were brutally cut down at, at age 20, at age two. And she's got to look at people who are sympathizing with the murderers two feet from her on a college campus. I'm not saying that our free speech laws don't allow it, okay? I'm not saying that, I don't, I don't know whether this is a funded, a publicly funded university or not, but my point is, this actually is a dehumanizing situation. This actually is a situation in which she might truly feel, quote, unsafe. This word that has been perpetuated on every college campus or the stupidest non-existent slights. But when it's an actual Jewish woman afraid at the pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas people right next to her chanting things like from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, which means no more Israel. It's, mm, sorry, mm, oh well, take, you're, you're good. Watch this as she appears to beg a school administrator to intervene. Hello! They want our people dead! They want us killed! They want us dead! Please end it, please! Joining me now is someone who knows all too well what radicalization can do, Ayan Hirsi Ali human rights activist and founder of the Ayan Hirsi Ali Foundation. Hey, subscribe to the show on YouTube and follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just for a moment, let's push the politics and all the crazy news these days to the side and talk about something we can all agree on. Dogs. Delta Rescue. For those who don't know Ayan's background, uh, she grew up um, in Somalia and underwent all sorts of difficult uh, experiences which have been well-documented and managed, though you found yourself surrounded by Muslim Brotherhood and Islamists, to get yourself out of that and find an entirely new life. And you've been a brave spokesperson against these kinds of atrocities ever since. So, Ayan, I haven't had the chance to talk to you since Saturday's events. What are you seeing and how are you reacting right now to what's unfolded? So I'm seeing everything that you described and more, and I'm looking at the different countries, of course, the United States, where we are seeing an entire generation that have been brainwashed to react against their own values, against their own country, against their own civilization. Um, I'm seeing similar things in Europe. Um, I'm watching um, the 
Arab Gulf War. Today, there was a call from Hamas and other radicals calling on all Muslims to take to the streets and to protest. Um, you don't see much of that in the Arab world today. Um, so I think, you know, in a horrific context, we are seeing some progress there. But I joined this debate right after 9-11, and I remember uh, as we were reflecting on 9-11, and I was in Amsterdam at that time, um, there was this big question, how could this happen? And we talked about complacency, and now you have different levels of complacency. So uh, Israel momentarily forgot about the enemy that wants to wipe them off the map, and they were fighting amongst themselves about reforming their Supreme Court. You know, I would, um, I, I wish that Israelis could behave like other democracies. I wish that they could have their internal disputes and forget that they have this external enemy that wants to exterminate them. But the price of distraction is what they're paying now. Even for us in America, 9-11-2001, and in Europe, you know, 7-7-2000, and I believe that was um, five, um, and then a series of jihadi terrorist attacks in Europe. Um, I find that Western nations are really complacent. We've gone back to forgetting about what happened every time we get a lull. You know, ISIS was taken down by the Trump administration. I think we lulled ourselves back into sleep, into thinking this jihadi monster is gone for good. Um, we, forget, we forget that there is... Um, there are two components to this. There's jihad, there's the violence, the terrorism. Uh, and we unleash our security and police forces, and sometimes, when necessary, our military forces on them. But what we truly forget is the Dao aspect of it. The exercises, the efforts to brainwash uh, small children, teenagers, adults in universities, and beyond. That's what we forget. So when you look at our campuses and you see you know, our kids, these are our kids in legacy universities chanting on and cheering on an entity that just committed the most barbaric, most heinous attacks on babies, on grandmothers. Then you really have to ask yourself, all the governing boards, the presidents of these universities, what are we doing to our own kids? These kids who go to Columbia and Yale and Stanford and Harvard and on and on, these are the people who are going to be running our country. I'm in my 50s. They are the next generation. They are the ones who are coming to leadership positions, and that doesn't look promising. And aside from that, so look at what happened right now to Israel. They got momentarily distracted with internal issues, and the existential enemy came around and took advantage of that opportunity. We in America, we have Putin, we're assisting um, as much as we can uh, Ukraine. And there we have an enemy that sees an opportunity and an opening every time we engage and indulge in infighting. And he, Putin and his administration, they, they divide us and they know how to divide us and they take advantage of dividing us. And so does China. 
and so does Iran that assisted Hamas in carrying out this attack. So we have enemies that are prepared, that are intent upon destroying us and upon dividing us. And over and over again, we give them the opportunity to do just that. The house divided mm. can't stand for long. And I think, um, I, I mean, for a few, maybe two or three years after ISIS was defeated, I felt a sense of hope, hope for Arabs and Muslims that they had seen with their eyes what the so-called Islamic State was, not the utopia that they promised, but a place of gruesome brutality and cruelty where they behead people, enslave, rape women, kill children, and then program those children with hatred. So everyone saw what the Islamic State was all about, right? And so for a while, I thought, okay, the Arab world, they have seen those, the, the youth of the Arab world, they know what it is and they don't like this. And then I thought, what about our Muslim minorities um, in America and in Europe? They too must have seen surely what that is. And no, they haven't because the programming effort that is carried out by a movement like the Muslim Brotherhood, Islamic Jihad, um, and, you know, a panoply of radical Islamic networks that are active and feel themselves protected on American soil, on European soil, they carry on programming using free speech when it suits them, freedom of speech, freedom of um, religion when it suits them, freedom of association when it suits them to program our kids and our populations with hatred. And when we speak out against that, they say speech is violence. And unfortunately for us, they've captured the hearts and minds of our own kids, non-Muslims, moderate Muslims, uh, even Jewish kids. You know, last time I spoke to a friend of mine who is active in the, uh, you know, fight against anti-Semitism space. And I was asking her, why is it that so many of my Jewish friends are not fighting, they're not standing up against, to, against wokeism because wokeism, identity politics, um, it's many things, but it's especially anti-Semitic. And it is through that these woke, you know, um, critical race theory, um, the whole gender politics, this intersectionality, that is used as um, a pathway to make hatred of Jews acceptable again. And my friend couldn't answer that question. She said, you know what, I just think that Jewish people really they just want to live and let others live. Unfortunately, Hamas and the radicals don't want to let them live. And that's what we're waking up to today. The shocking thing is, and you know, you and I have talked many times over the years, including during the height of the ISIS atrocities, the country, we were unified against that. You know, maybe there were a few fringy, weird radicals in the United States who said, yeah, okay, they've got a point. I don't know who those were, but they didn't have any sort of a, a voice that was getting attention. Here, you know, at campus after campus, both at the university, you know, administrative level and at the student level, not to mention some of these, you know, the democratic socialists, open rallies in support of, it's got to be said, Hamas. It, they, they may say Palestine, they, there is no way they don't mean Hamas. It happened in some instances while the Hamas attacks were going on, while the terror attacks were going on. You've been warning for a long time about 
the open borders problem in particular in Europe and how the influx in some cases of radicalized Muslim men and others is changing the culture as we knew it in places like France and elsewhere and, and in our own home as well. But in particular, we talked all about this when I first launched this show because you just had a new book out about France. I thought of you this morning as we saw these Paris France protests. What they're saying in French is we are all Palestinians and they're saying it with fervor. Look at this soundbite, Sot 5. signs read Israel criminal. And these people are defying, in France, you can't protest freely like you can here in the United States. There's uh, actually a crackdown on the protests, but they came out anyway. This is how important it was to them to make sure we knew they felt Israel was a criminal. And the cheers of jubilation, jubilation yeah. in the wake of murdered children, raped women, you know, 1,200 dead Israelis. They're, they're thrilled, Ayan. How does it all relate? I think this is very well documented. The fifth column in France, the presence for many, many years of these programming networks, the Dawa networks that brainwash all these people that you've seen, many of them really born in France, maybe even their parents were born in France. So this is very, very well documented. And this is a conundrum for France, but increasingly also for other European countries. What do you do? Because you have freedom of religion and freedom of speech and all of these freedoms that these uh, jihadist programmers, they take advantage of. These people learned to think and to chant what they're chanting, not in Egypt, not uh, in the Middle East, not in any Islamic country, but in France. And it's well documented and it's well known. And we've known it now for decades. Um, but I guess the French government and French society um, talk about it, they write about it, they discuss it all the time. It features in their politics, but they don't seem to have found a way out of this conundrum. And I don't and now, think- And this- now in France, five people are stabbed, attacked, yeah. and at least one man dead as a result of this. His name, uh, per the sun, is Dominique Bernard, a French literate, literature teacher aged- someplace in his 40s. Again, reports of about it's five people being stabbed. Go ahead. Megan, it's more frightening than just that. You've seen now the crowds that you just showed me, but there is another issue that nobody wants to talk about, and there's the demographic crisis in France, in Italy, in Spain, in Britain, all of these European countries. The people who are chanting this are very young, and they're numerous, and they have more babies than everybody else. And the French are growing old, they're retiring, they're not having children. And I remember a Muslim Brotherhood prominent, um, you know, inspirer of theirs, Yusuf al-Qaradawi, when they would carry out some of these terrorist attacks that they considered jihad, Yusuf al-Qaradawi would say to them, you know what, 
you don't need to use, you don't need to carry out terrorist attacks. You, the, the, the most important strategy for you to follow is to bring in as many immigrants as possible and to have as many babies as possible. And that is how you take over Europe without firing a single shot. And so you look at this phenomenon now and you just see over time, uh, if things go the way they're going and the French government and society, they do nothing about this. This is just going to be a natural process of replacement um, and displacement. Uh, so I think the future right now uh, it's it's pretty grim for France. I almost want to say grimmer for France than it is for Israel. But what mm. happened in Israel is a wake-up call, I hope. I hope it is, yes, we've had so many wake-up calls. I don't know where to begin. 9-11 was the big bang. And in between, you saw all of those. These people don't hide what they believe in. They don't hide their agenda. It's on the internet. It's on social media. It's everywhere. They say it to us, they want to destroy us, and then we make excuses for them. And I hope with this event, we learn from it and we stop making excuses and we strategize about how to deal with this while we still can. Instead, we're putting them in charge of media organizations and in college campuses as university professors, in law schools as law school, as the next generation of up and coming lawyers. We've seen that this week too. And that brings me to Stanford, uh, where you are. And yeah. at Stanford, an instructor, a teaching assistant, uh, was just suspended. That's it. They didn't name him, but we will. For a little stunt he pulled, uh, the rabbi at the Stanford Jewish Center came forward and outed this guy because the rabbi was told by three students that this instructor, whose name is Amir Hassan Login, uh, according to campus reform, they're identifying him. And mm -hmm. this man got his class together in a required undergraduate course called Civil, Liberal, and Global Education, told the Jewish students to take their things, stand in a corner and said, this is what Israel does to the Palestinians. Uh, and then asked how many people died in the Holocaust. When one student answered 6 million, reporting here, uh, quoting from... Uh, Forward magazine, the lecturer said, colonizers killed more than 6 million. Israel is a colonizer. Stanford's response was to remove the instructor from teaching duties. Again, it's a suspension. They did not name him and they did not provide details of the incident. Their ex explanation was, he addressed the Middle East conflict in a manner that called out individual students in class based on their backgrounds and identities. Um, that's not exactly the full problem, Stanford. We Stanford's turned into ground zero in a lot of these problems, you know, with the, the ridiculous because, rape accusations and them buying into that and the BLM stuff and the LGBTQ and now this. I mean, they're other yeah. than the Hoover Institution, Ion, they're on the wrong side of virtually all of these things. Because again, it is this diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's not about the core task, the job of a university is to teach kids how to think, not what to think. But then this fringe, I mean, in, you said in uh, nine after 9-11, uh, we were all united except for this fringe and, you know, these, these weirdos. 
But now it's the fringe and the weirdos that run the show. And they got yeah. themselves positions where they are in by invoking diversity, equity, and inclusion, and then deploying this diversity, equity, and inclusion brigade of administrators. And so now we are kowtowing to them. We're actually scared of this guy um, because of what he could unleash administratively speaking at Stanford. I know I can vouch that for most students at Stanford and faculty, they don't agree with him. They're horrified just like we are, but we're all terrified of this diversity, equity and inclusion police that we have brought on as a matter of tolerance. And I think there was a strategy, a narrative that took hold in the 2000s and the 2010s that if only we include these various people, identities, minorities, then things will be great and we'll, we'll find ourselves in a utopia. No, no, the fringe were a fringe for a reason because their ideas were outlandish and inhuman and tyrannical and they are on, it's all power centered and all they want is to destroy us and our structures and our institutions. They haven't changed their agenda. We have to get wake up and end this complacency. Yes, wake up and end this complacency. Isn't she brilliant? And uh, I just loved that entire dialogue. I hope that you enjoyed it. And I hope that it educated you and it brought some sense of understanding to what this is actually about and what's truly going on here. Um, there's one more video before I let you go today. It's so impactful. It's two minutes long. And... Um, and it is uh, this gentleman, um, JT, you can try. He's a, he's a Jewish fellow, and he's speaking to, to the Muslims. And so let's try. Uh, you go ahead, JT, and I'll... There's In the second. middle of the apartment that been blown up by the Hamas rockets. But I'm not looking for your pity, compassion, or sympathy. This time has passed away a long time ago. Neither do I ask you to join us Israelis against Hamas. Believe me, we can do it perfect on our own. What I'm asking you is to save Palestinian lives, Palestinian people. Yes, you heard me right. I'm an Israeli and I'm asking you to save Palestinian lives together with us. You all saw what Hamas did to the families on October 7. They massacred all with complete disregard to the skin color, religion, or even age. How Hamas became such an animal? Years of practice. Years of practice on their own people. Hamas holding Palestinian people as a hostage for generation. In Gaza, people getting slaughtered simply because they disagree with Hamas. While in Israel, more than 2 million Arab Muslims live in peace and prosper. Maybe you still not consider Israel as your friend. It's fine with me. But we all can agree on the fact that Hamas is enemy of Palestinian people. That Hamas holding hostage Palestinians. Hamas leaders and their families don't even live in Gaza. They betrayed 
Palestinian people. Hamas is the real enemy of the Palestinians. Hamas is enemy of holy religion of Islam. So Hamas is not only our enemy. Hamas is your enemy as well. Yes, your, my dear Muslim brothers and sisters. And how they say enemy of your enemy is your friend. So let's together liberate Palestinian people from the terrorist organization of Hamas. It's not going to be easy. We're all going to suffer loss of innocent lives. But it's, gonna be, but it's going to be worth it for the future of generations that will remember this moment when the great people of Islam in the whole wide world said no more, no more terror. No under our watch. God bless you, all the righteous people of the world. Mm. So I've, I've uh, wrestled with this uh, all weekend. I've been looking at videos. I, um, I'm actually doing something, and I want you guys to know that I am engaging with people that are pro-Palestine in order to understand what they're saying and in order to try to find how we get to a place of common ground so that we have peace, especially in Canada. Because I've been shocked, as many have, to see the pro-Palestinian uh, marches. And, and I, I've seen it actually with my own, uh, with my own camera um, a couple of years ago thousands and thousands of them in downtown Vancouver. And uh, something had just happened with Israel and Palestine. And we don't want this brought to our countries because this is not our fight. However, I personally, as a Christian, as someone who supports Israel being a nation in peace, I decry all violence. I do not want to see uh, pain on any side. But until we understand who the real enemy is, and for me, I believe that's terrorist organizations. That's Hamas. And until we get to the bottom of the truth, you see, it seems like these people on this side, they've got their chosen uh, news organizations they listen to and believe. These people on this side have their chosen organizations that they believe. Everybody says it's AI when they don't like it and, and says, you know, this is not, uh, you can't believe anyone. So they all cry AI, you know, on every side. But we've actually got to understand the plight of this. And when you saw that map earlier, which I guess we've long lost in uh, all the changes I've made, but when we saw that map on how tiny Israel is, Israel has wanted just this part, okay? I think I have it here, JT, if, if you've got the share there. Um, remember this, the Arab world counts 300 million citizens versus Israel's 6 million. They are surrounded on this tiny little strip uh, on every side by those who potentially don't believe they have a right to exist. If we do not 
understand that our fight, let people exist for one thing. If you don't think that Israel should be a nation, um, well, maybe you shouldn't be a nation. I mean, uh, just let them be a nation. And I remember watching, I've said this over and over, but Gaza being given back to the Palestinians as the Israeli army forced them out of Gaza. Forced the Jews, forced the Jews out. Since then, the Gaza has been used nonstop to, to lob, you know, these bombs and projectiles over into Israel. So, yes, do I believe Netanyahu is a perfect man? No, uh, I certainly don't believe Biden and Obama, who have now funded terrorism uh, with all of this money that has gone to Iran, are good men. Not at all. I don't support them. I don't support killing. I don't support killing when it's not justified. But our guest today and all Israelis confirm that Israel is not the aggressor. Generally, now, have, they, have there been times of war and they've gone in and blasted and innocent people have died? Yes. Let's try to bring that to an end by simply getting to a place where we give each other enough room to live peacefully. That doesn't seem possible. Even now, when I talk to pro-Palestine people, it's as if what happened 11 days ago doesn't count or doesn't matter. It's as if the fact that, that Gaza and the Hamas are holding innocent, uh, kidnapped women and children and men, what is the nation to do with that? They have to go in and rescue. So if your child were, were being held hostage, would you want Israel to go in there and rescue them? Yes. So they need to get out. And I, you know, I was showing some places earlier and I've been, you know, tweeting about, um, you know, what Israel, what, what Gaza um, innocent Palestinians can do to get out. Get out of there. They're going to bomb you. I would do anything I could. I would walk for miles and miles to get to the farthest part away from the middle of Gaza that I could to try to ensure that I was not in harm's way nor that my children were in harm's way. Otherwise, it seems like maybe you're wanting to die for a cause and you're wanting to give your life. And, and sometimes that, that seems to be what this might be about is, you know, we're, we're going to get something, uh, you know, via our religion for dying for the cause that we've heard about the 70 virgins or whatever. I don't know what to say um, about this radicalization and about this atrocity that took place. And now Israel must respond. If there, if there's a bully in your neighborhood and they're coming in and they kill your kids and they kidnap a, another couple of your kids. They take your mother-in-law and they, you know, they have your brother. They, these, these kidnap, you know, these, uh, this, this bullying bunch of thugs that lives in your neighborhood, right? You've, you have to take measures to get them out of there. You have to take measures that might involve if they're, you know, uh, in, in their own place and they've got their own family members around using them as shields that you might, you have to eradicate the enemy. This is horrible. It's horrible. I hate it. I hate all of it.
When I see these pictures of the Palestinian fathers, you know, in Gaza, running with their child, I'm sickened by this. I feel so bad for them. I'm also asking, why are you there? You're a dad, right? You love your child. Um, maybe leave and protect your family. What's happening? I, I don't like any of it. We certainly have to get to the place, though, where we understand who the enemy is. And if we don't, if you don't, as a listener, understand that Hamas is a terrorist organization declared to be for the annihilation of Israel, then what do we do? We need, we need to come together. And I also believe this, that the only thing that is going to heal all of our hearts is love. Love. Love for the innocent Palestinians. Love for the innocent Jews. Love for the victims in all of this that have lost children, that have lost family members, loved ones, all of them, the Jews and the Palestinians in pain today. But you can't have Hamas holding hostages and Hamas committed to destroying Israel and now bringing in Hezbollah from the north. Okay? We can't be complicit in this attack and assault against a nation that has a right to be a nation. Let them have their tiny little sliver. Let them, just let them live. Have the rest of it. If you don't like that they became a nation in 1948 or whatever, whether you think it's biblical or like my guest last week didn't think that was biblical, that Israel, you know, became a nation in 1948 and that that's a biblical fulfillment of prophecy. I don't know. I don't really want to fight over it. These people are democratic. I wish they served their God more because they're also a very, you know, humanist society, uh, you know, very secular very secular. You can be a gay person and live freely in, in the Jewish land. LGBTQ, they'll kill you in Palestine. And you're marching for the killers. I don't get it. It's just one girl asking a lot of questions here. <sighs> my, uh, my website is laurelin.tv. Please go there. If you can support us, please do. A uh, whole bunch of people are, you know, angry. I see some some people. Well, we all know who the baby killers is. Uh, you know, one comment uh, came up there. I accidentally flicked it on really fast. You know, and they're, shame on me. We all know who the baby killers are? Yeah. Hamas killed a whole ton of babies. What are you saying? That's a fact. There's video. There's, there's evidence. There's pictures. The Israelis are putting the pictures up. Oh, it's all AI. Oh, okay. We're back to that. It's, all, it's horrendous. We have to love each other. We have to feel sorry for the families on every side and the victims. My heart bleeds and breaks for the Palestinians in pain and the Jews in pain. If it happened to my family, I would be destroyed, devastated, and I don't know how I would ever recover. I get it. As a woman, as a mother, I get it. We have to come into agreement about atrocities about the assaults, about what happened in, in Israel a few days ago. It can't be left. It's, it's horrible. 
we have a, an incredible event and one of the most profound speakers on the Israeli conflict right now is Lance Wallnau. And I hope that he'll be able to breathe some um, understanding into this when he comes to our event, October 28th. Um, he's a very prophetic man. He is funny. He's intelligent. He's well briefed. He's, uh, he has expertise regarding the Jewish land. Uh, he is Jewish. Uh, he is also a compassionate man who understands that uh, killing and war is brutal and no one wants it. So I hope that you'll come to see him, plus many of the doctors, plus many of those speaking on uh, the issues of uh, wokeism that's going on in our culture. Um, the question that cannot be asked is, what is a woman? And wonderful young men like Josh Alexander, Nathaniel Pavlovsky, Pastor Archer will be there for the latest saga to tell us an update on what took place in court recently for him. And uh, Dr. Brian Artis, many of these incredible. Please have a look. And if you can come, please come get your tickets now. Uh, we're starting to fill up. I'm excited about that. And um, if, uh, if money is a problem, uh, it is in a very expensive event, expensive venue, bringing in all of these guests. This is like, we hope we break even, everyone. <laughs> so uh, help us out, please. Um, but if if you can, uh, you know, if you're struggling with, with money, but you can make it there, we don't want you not to come. We want you there. So we have an option for you on the Eventbrite. Choose that. And um, I want to I want to leave you today uh, with Psalms 106 and ask you to stand very, very strongly in the truth of God's love and God's power and His justice. God's on a side. You know, people say, oh, you know, let's not pick sides. Well, eventually you pick sides, but let's pick the right side. Let's, let's decry violence and hurt and pain to people. Psalms 106, praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love, his love endures. The violence, it will not endure. The wars, they will not endure. They will pass away. But God's love, it will never end. God's love for you, even in your brokenness. Hey, we're all full of sin and things that we shouldn't be doing and things that we've done and regrets, deep regrets each of us bear in our lives. If you've lived long enough, you've lived to regret some things that you've done. And yet God's love endures and covers a multitude of sin. He is on the side of the righteous. He is on the side of the just. He is on the side of those who avoid violence. He is on the side of those who stand for peace and who wants peace. He doesn't like controlling people. Did you know that? Whenever I get a little bit controlling, I know God does not like that. He doesn't like controlling people because he's the only one. There's only room for one God in this universe. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't like when we're controlling and we think we can boss the world around and tell them how to be. No, he stands on the side of justice. In verse 2 it says, who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare his praise? Blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is right. Wow, that's a big word, always? 
Blessed are those who always do what is right. Can we get to the place in our lives where we always do what is right? I pray for this day. I don't know if I'll ever get there <laughs> because I'm a, I'm a handful, right, hun? Yeah, <laughs> I, got, I got a big amen over on the side here. Um, I always want to do what is right. I probably don't get there. But blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is right. Remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come to my aid when you save them, that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may share in the joy of your nation and join your inheritance in giving praise. Wow, there's a lot there. In verse six, it says, we have sinned even as our ancestors did. We have done wrong and acted wickedly. Remember, this is David speaking as an Israeli, as a Jew. We have done wrong and acted wickedly. When our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses and they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake to make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea and it dried up and he led his people through the depths as through a desert. God is a God of justice. It's a simple thing. Good decisions, acting rightly, good outcome. Acting in violence, bad outcome. Let's pray for peace in Israel and the world and peace for the victims in Palestine and in Israel. God bless you. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.